This is episode number 86 of the Church Collective Podcast. We have not been around for a little while, and man, have we missed you. We have been just loaded with some really, really cool podcasts. Um, Adam Dolhanek, Chris Bellamy, and myself had the opportunity to talk to the man himself, Stu G, about his latest project, about guitar, uh, about where he thinks worship's going, about how he, with uh, Delirious, really pioneered worship, and um, you're just really going to be encouraged by this conversation. So here we go with episode number 86 of the Church Collective Podcast. Have you heard? Uh, was originally released uh, in '95, and um, it was recorded with um, all the guys from Delirious. But we were still just doing the cutting edge band stuff at the time. Um, I had a few guests on there as well, and uh, it was just something that um, you know we were recording Martin songs for the cutting edge records, and uh, I had a bunch of songs, and so Martin and Tim said to me, uh, "Hey, why don't we do a, a cassette with your your songs on?" So so that's what we did, and then I thought, you know, 20 years later, um, I was kind of listening through and uh, really enjoyed the the songs and the, how they've recorded and what have you, and um, I just thought it'd be fun to kind of celebrate that and all that's gone in between and uh, and re-release them. And um, so the, the trouble was, is that somewhere along the way, I'd lost the uh, original two-track master, mm. and uh, I only had the 24-track, so... Uh, I had to find somewhere in America that had a Tascam MSR24 huh. uh, one-inch tape machine and uh, transfer it. So I managed to find someone in New Jersey. And uh, so we did that. And um, Shane Wilson remixed them, done an incredible job, and then had them remastered by um, a guy called Nathan Watkins in Nashville and uh, uh, recreated two of the tracks with uh, Matt Stanfield, who's a... Long-time friend of mine and uh, co-conspirator on musical projects, and um, uh, and that the idea from that came from I was watching uh, the British police drama Luther and uh, realised again from the music on that how much I loved Massive Attack, and uh, uh, so I wanted to do these two tracks, uh, which is Rest and uh, The Rain, redo them in kind of a more of a Massive Attack style. So. Uh, uh, I think they're really cool, and uh, I think it's just helped make the project just real up to date. So, um, uh, so yeah, it's a it's a 20 year edition. Um, all the original members of Delirious are on there, and uh, and not many were sold in the first place. So, uh, um, I think it's a good chance for a, a fan piece for any any fans of Delirious. Yeah, very cool. And and um, also. That, that if you're a fan, you'll recognise a couple of the tracks because Delirious went on to record tracks like "Come Like You Promise" and "Absolutely Absolute." And uh, but on this record, this the it's you can see how it those songs started. Sure. Yeah, that's really <laughs> yeah. neat. Yeah. If anyone wants a CD, they can order it on my website, StoogieWorld.com. Cool. I'll make sure to put a link there in the show notes. Right. In the because uh, because the record is a is a re-release you know in the early days you guys were doing this cutting edge music uh, yeah a group um did you guys get a lot of resistance from the church uh for doing the music you were doing in the early 90s um you know i don't really remember a lot of resistance um i remember it being a lot of fun more than anything and uh so you know how it kind of started was um 
uh, Martin and Tim and Stu were together, like working on this youth event uh, on the south coast, and so it kind of just developed real grassroots, uh, very small, and um, it started with with those guys just doing songs in the music that they they enjoyed, and so like I don't know, I remember a time when I was down there with them, and uh, we. Uh, Martin had just written Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble and I remember we did that for about an hour uh, one night you know it's kind of we didn't really know what we're doing other than um, other than we we just kind of were doing what we wanted to and trying to have an authentic uh, worship experience you know and um, so we weren't really getting any pushback we were just getting encouragement really because we were putting on these events and people just were coming to them and then we're taking the music and going out back to their own places. Um, so it kind of developed really organically like that. That's cool. So as, as time's gone on, um, one of the things that I've heard from a lot of guys is that your guitar playing on those records kind of gave them a new freedom in their churches on how they well, play guitar. Um, and I've heard that from more than one guitar player. So, uh, you know, it, it, how do you how do you think the church can grow in embracing and adapting new forms of music? Because what you guys were doing, you know, relative to what my church was doing at the time, um, is definitely mm. a new thing. And uh, so, so how do you just if you have any thoughts on how uh, how the how the church at large can grow in in embracing and adapting new forms of music, expression, and worship? Yeah. Um. That's a that's a difficult question to answer because um, uh, you know the, the short answer is I don't know, but the long answer <laughs> is um, uh, you know I I don't think that we should, and I'm just talking about me as a Christian guy. Um, I don't think we should stay still. Like I I feel like um, you know we're talking about on stuff that we did 20 years ago, and. Uh, um, you know, even my style or whatever, you know, that it's, it's, um, I'm still kind of pushing and looking for, for new things. And, um, I mean, you know, when, when it comes to worship music and, and sacred music, leading people, um, then really it's got to be about what best serves the people, you know, what, um, how do we get underneath everyone and help lift the room up and, uh, and, and let God, you know, build his, build his house in our praise. But, um, so it's really, it's kind of a conflicting thing for me because, um, you know, as a super sort of creative guy, I'm always wanting to push the boundaries and, uh, uh, and bring elements in that I get inspired by from outside. Um, but, uh, I also think that God doesn't stay still either, you know, and, uh, you know the universe is constantly expanding, and um, I've got a friend who's a rabbi, and uh, he's he's taught me a lot of things. And one of the things he says is that um, the truth, when it comes to God, is is like a seventy-sided jewel, and uh, whichever direction the light shines on it, you see something different. And I love that thought. Um, and so even in um, with our music and our worship, um, I feel like. Uh, you know, as we see another aspect of God and it inspires us to make a different sound, I feel like we should be able to go with that 
with the constraints of like this has to help people worship you know um I never want to do anything that is kind of grinding against uh, or, or stopping someone from engaging with God. So, um, and that's different for every congregation, isn't it? You know, everyone's in different places, and uh, so. Um, but I'm definitely not one for wanting to stay still and do the same thing forever. Hey Stu, uh, I was wondering how has your um, how has the recording process changed for you? Um, from when you started to, to, to now, um, do you generally use the same type of setup or, or have, has it evolved? Um, it's definitely evolved. Um, you know, obviously when, when we were we were recording to tape back then and, and what have you, you know, the, the process as, um, of even just writing a song has changed so much because we've now got, uh, you know, Pro Tools on our, mach- on our computers and what have you. So it's a lot easier to get ideas down, you know. I remember just um, Martin and I would spend all year, um, you know, whether we were on the road or whatever, just gathering all our sort of ideas onto uh, voice memos and scraps of paper, and then we'd, we'd spend a month just kind of pulling that all together at the end of the year and seeing what we got, you know. So nowadays it's very different because you can sit on a plane and... Uh, uh, you know, get a baseline down and a simple chord structure or whatever. And so, um, uh, so in that respect, it's changed a lot. And then, um, um, in the studio, um, I think something that I'm trying to do is still retain that element of performance that we used to have to do when you're just going direct to tape. You know, um, the fact that um, we can undo everything a million times you know and uh and, and keep redoing it you know we can kind of take the life out of it so i'm still trying to be old school in that respect in terms of practicing hard trying to get good performance um and uh um, i guess something that's different for me now is that i have a um you know there's so much on my pedalboard now that I, I never had back in the day or would never have dreamed of having you know like um uh, the H9s from Eventide or whatever, you know, back in the day I would have had to have a rack with. So basically, I'm, you know, I'm, when I'm going to a recording session, I'm taking my pedal board that I tour with, uh, but then my amps will change. Hmm. And I was just saying that, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy because all my amps from the UK are now over in America and I've just had them all converted to US power. And hmm. um, so I'm getting some real familiar sounds now. And, uh, uh, so I love that. Um, so yeah, it's like with all the um, with all the technology and all the changes in and how easy it is to record now, even if you're recording in someone's house, I'm still trying to kind of retain that thing of coming up with a performance uh, yeah. rather than just keep deleting it. Does that sure. make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. What's your um, what's your signal chain like? Like, uh, what are your preferred mics and like mic priests and stuff? Um, I'm a big API fan, actually, on guitar. So um, uh, I'm using. Um, so once I'm, I get to the amps, I mean, I'm generally using two amps at once. Like, um, and it's not always stereo. Sometimes it's a blend. Uh, so, for instance in my own recording room I'm using a blues Marshall Blues Breaker and an AC30 um, and then I'll have 
a uh, Sennheiser 609 um, on there, but also a, um, a a ribbon mic that's based. It's a it's a it's a cheap one. It's called a NOS Panther uh, from California, and uh, uh, but I really like the sound of them, and uh, so I blend those through API 3124s, um, and then. Um, if I want compression on that, I'll, I, I've got distressors, so uh, I use a distressor, and uh, yeah, and into the into the system. Cool. So two mics on each cab. Yeah, I, I like to blend the the, the ribbon and the dynamic. Uh, most so you'll have mostly uh, the ribbon sound um, with a little bit of dynamic sort of mid and top range. Cool. Uh-huh. On your pedal board itself, what's what's kind of your core go-to pedals uh, for doing yeah. your sound? Uh, so um, I've, I've been using the, the Gig Rig uh, G2 switching system for years now, uh, and all my power is Gig Rig uh, as well. So um, uh, that, that's like a staple. And I, and I say that first because that really helps to to keep everything clean and and maintain the tone through the amp. So um, so that is a, a real big part of what I, what I do. Um, but then in terms of um, of signal chain from then on, like I always start with a fuzz pedal. Um, and at the minute I'm using the JHS muffler. Um, That's a sweet one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I've got so many different fuzzes, but I just have one on the board because uh, most situations don't call for different fuzz tones right now. <laughs> but um, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm using that one, and then uh, and then I've got my compressor. Uh, the reason I put the fuzz first is because um, generally, I mean, this is probably not true with the muffletta, but generally, uh, fuzzers like to see the input impedance of the guitar first. And not another pedal, but um, so then uh, I've got a compressor, which is the the Barber Tone Press, um, and then I go into my overdrive section. So I'll have um, the uh, full full tone overdrive, um, my old one, the the blue one with the two buttons on it, um, and then I've got a kilt, which is my signature pedal with JHS, um, and um, and that's it, really. I've, I've, that, that's my overdrive section. Um, although I do have a Klon clone, but I pretty much leave that clean, and uh, it just adds a bit of sparkle to the to the signal. Um, and then I go into um, uh, Earthquaker Devices Organizer for that sort of octave shimmer thing. Um, and then. I've got a loop for my looper um, that I still, you know, create loops and ambient loops and create pads whenever there's not a keyboard player. Um, and then a JHS Panther Cub uh, analog delay, um, and then two Eventide H9s that I've maxed out. Uh, one of them I use for reverbs and. Uh, modulation stuff, and then the uh, the last one is delays, and uh, that's pretty much it. I, I have a humdinger, a, a gigrig humdinger buffer on there, um, so that I can run, uh, you know, up to 100 feet of cable, um, including what's on the pedal board. So uh, 
um, that that's a, that makes a huge difference to any guitar player's rig of having a buffer to run the cables. For sure, mm-hmm. I I agree with that for sure. Um, you know, like like Ryan said, we have a lot of guys who are um, you know learning their instrument or they're they're real interested in gear. Um, if could you talk a little bit about the kilt since it's it's your it's your signature pedal, um, mm. and I, I actually live about 20 minutes south of the castle where the video was filmed. And, oh, really? Uh, so, so I had a good laugh when I saw that. Um, what a great, great place, great part of the world. Yeah, so you live sure. in Napa Valley, do you? I, I, I have the hard calling to be a pastor wow. in Napa Valley. That's um, amazing. I love that. Yeah. And uh, but I actually have the kilt. It's on. It's on my board. Uh, okay. It church used it at church last Sunday. And yeah. Um, so, so if you could talk about it and maybe maybe kind of your preferred way of using it and how you think a yeah. church setting, you know. Yeah. So the kilt is based on um, a pedal called the Expandora that um, I used to have three or four of. And um, back in the day, we when we recorded Mesomorphis, uh, that was the main kind of guitar sound. And then. Um, when we when we toured that, I was wearing a kilt, so hence the name, the kilt. And uh, uh, so with uh, recreating that pedal, uh, because no one else is making it right now, um, I was working with Josh for about a year and a half on uh, on getting that right. And we decided that we'd put a, a, a clean boost on it um, that can be independent. Uh, of the overdrive section and also that you could switch it before or after the overdrive section so um, so typically you know I have I will run the uh, the kill it has four gain stages uh, G1 and G2 so when they're both down it's like a crunch setting uh, when number one is up it's a little bit more overdrive and when number two is up and number one is off um, then it's full-on distortion but when g1 and g2 are both up it's like a a spitty fuzz um which is awesome and i generally will have it set to the more sort of full-on distortion side um so either with g2 engaged um or with both uh, in, in into the fuzz section with both of them turned up um and if i want to boost it to the amp a little bit i'll have the um the, the boost pedal engaged after the overdrive and um, so for instance on a song like when when I'm playing live with Michael W. Smith and we do Healing Rain that's the sound I use on that with the, and then boost it for a little bit more of a solo action um, it's um, it's not a transparent overdrive it uh, you, you can clean it up pretty good on the crunch section but the intention of it is really to be an overdrive distortion fuzz um, and so I typically use it for, for lead tones and real uh, overdriven sounds on G2 or the fuzz fuzz tone. That's actually kind of an interesting question because, um, you know, obviously in the studio you can do whatever you want. And, that, and when I was playing with the kilt, I felt like the, the splatty fuzz, which I loved. Um, yeah. And, and I actually texted uh, one of our, our, our guys here at the Church Collective and I said, if you turn both of them up and then you put the boost on, but you, you can switch the order of the boost and you put it in front. I said, it's, it's amazing. That's right. I, I will right. never use it in church, but it's, it's amazing. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but bringing, um, you know, bringing 
bringing tones and sounds into the church setting um, so that, you, like you were saying, you, you get under the congregation and lift them up. Uh, yeah. You know, how, how do you kind of, uh, personally, how do you address, you know, we've done this thing in the studio, or if you're touring with someone else and they've their their guy did this thing in the studio, how do you yeah. kind of go about your process of figuring out the live uh, that's, for it? Yeah, that's great. So, um, uh, I mean, that's where the pedals like um, uh, the, the H9s are so great because uh, they have such a huge... A vast array of different effects um, so what will stay the same for me is pretty much my overdrive section you know I, I feel like uh, even when I'm playing clean sort of ambient tones or whatever you know I might have my full drive on uh, um, and uh, uh, and that is my sound so like, I'll, I'll then build um, the sound or try and sort of replicate a certain sound uh, for instance, I'm, I'm touring with Paul Belos right now in Canada, and uh, one track had this uh, guitar sound that had a um, like a rotary uh, Leslie effect on it, and uh, so I'll take my kind of basic sound um, and then add the rotary effect from the H9, and so um, the the gig rig will switch simple MIDI information to send simple MIDI information to the the H9s and so um, as long as I'm kind of mapping the tones to each um, each preset um, then I can uh, I can pretty much call them up and that that's my process you know um, uh, I so I keep my basic tone um, and then add the things that sound more like what I'm what I need to play for the artist so whether it's a dotted eighth edge type sound or you know, I, I generally do that from the uh, the H9s and the delays and what have you. And, and you feel like that's a thing, like you're approaching, basically you're approaching the song towards the artist, but with, how, how much percentage-wise do you go, you know, what the artist is versus what you are as a guitar player? Yeah, so um, um, obviously, again, it's a little, little bit like being in church. If I'm hired to play guitar for an artist like Paul or Michael, you know, I, I want to get as close to what they have on the record unless they tell me not to, um, you know, because I want them to not be kind of, oh, that sounds really different. Um, the only difference is, is that the, the root of it, which is my fingers on my guitar and, um, uh, and, and my initial sound, like that will not really change, you know, um, but then what I then throw on it after that, that's what then helps them uh, recognize, uh, you know, what they did on the record. The other thing is since being in Nashville, um, I've, I've had to learn the, the Nashville number system. And so on my charts now, I've got like, it, it, it might say high line over the chorus, and then I'll just write the numbers out. And that is such a great way of doing it. Um, and it just reminds me, you know, it, it, it helps remind me as I'm playing live uh, to play the right notes. <laughs> hey, Stu, um, what would you hey. say the key to uh, longevity is as a, um, a worship leader slash musician? Um, nowadays, it seems like they're trying to phase out anybody that's, you know, above their 20s. Right. Um, and obviously, um, you know, you've kind of broken that mold. So what would you right. say to that is? Oh gosh, I don't know. I mean, I still try and uh, 
like stay vital and enthusiastic myself. Um, you know, I don't want to settle. Um, you know, a lot of these younger people that are coming through, which are awesome, you know, I'm kind of, I play a supporting role to them as well, you know, like whether it's maybe helping them write or, or uh, playing on their stuff, you know, every now and then. You know, I love to do that and be involved and like cheer them on. But um, I think it's it's just about, you know, stay, trying to stay fresh yourself, be being real with, with your own gifts and giftings, you know, giving space to others as they come through. Um, you know, being a, a, a supporter and a big brother, um, and um, and I guess just trying to stay fresh and true to your path. You know, because it it might be that it's time to step aside and let other people go, or it might be that um, you know you, there's still things inside you that aren't finished yet, or that you've not achieved yet um, on in terms of your calling and vocation. And so that's very much true for me. I, I feel like. You know, I've got some projects coming up next year um, that I'm really excited about and uh, uh, based around the Beatitudes. And, um, you know, like, and, and the message behind that is really that, you know, what we do doesn't really look like the world in terms of success, and uh, but actually it's God meeting us at the bottom and in the failure and in the ache and in the lack. And so... So, in, you know, that's what's important to me. And um, sometimes when our churches m model, you know, what it looks like in business or whatever, that might not be uh, the best way. That might not be staying true to the gospel, you know. Because um, God is like, it's not about us climbing some ladder. It's about God coming towards us at the bottom. So, um, uh, I don't know, I'm getting off track, but does that help? Yeah. No, that was great. That's it for this week's episode. As always, head over to thechurchcollective.com and get connected with us. We're back. We've got some tremendous interviews and content coming up on the site and some really cool events and things going on this year. So we would love to get in touch with you, get you plugged in. Head over, hit the contact form on the site, and uh, we'll respond to you soon. God bless you today.